I'm Kate Hills and I'm on a one-woman mission to save UK manufacturing. Welcome to my podcast where I invite you to join me each week as I shine a light on some of the very best British-made brands and UK manufacturers and offer advice to those that want to make in the UK. But before we get on to today's episode, I just want to tell you about an event that I've got coming up. If you're interested in discovering UK manufacturers and British-made brands from the fashion, textiles and homeware sectors, you should definitely come to our trade show, Make It British Live. Taking place on the 29th and 30th of May 2019 at the Business Design Centre in London, we've got over 200 exhibitors inspiring talks just like the ones on this podcast and it's the perfect place to network with others that want to see UK manufacturing thrive. Registration is now open and if you go to mib.live forward slash podcast VIP I've got a special something for you when you register. I hope to see you there and now let's get on with the show. Welcome to episode 41 of the Make It British podcast. On today's episode, I'm interviewing Paul Smithers, who owns a swimwear factory in Hampshire. Paul is also going to be one of the exhibitors at our Make It British Live event on the 29th and 30th of May at the Business Design Centre in London, in case you didn't know where it was taking place. Now, Paul is a swimwear manufacturer, and I know that he is going to be absolutely mobbed when he comes to our show, because it seems to be that pretty much every other person that gets in touch with me at the moment is looking for a swimwear manufacturer. Part of the reason for that is that the UK's biggest, it probably was the biggest swimwear manufacturer, a company called AJM Sewing, which was based in Wales and been there many years, unfortunately closed down sometime earlier. Actually, it was 2018. It was midway through 2018 that they very suddenly and very sadly, they closed down. So it meant that a lot of people that were making swimwear at AJM are now looking for other factories to use. Now, you might think that actually making swimwear, well, you know, there must be loads of factories. If they can make garments, they can make swimwear. But far from the truth. In fact, swimwear is actually one of the most difficult garments that there is to make. And I know that because I used to be a swimwear buyer and I know how difficult it was getting the fit right on swimwear products. So if you've ever wondered why that is when you're wearing a little slip of a bikini and you think, well, this is a couple of triangles. This has got to be really simple. Paul explains everything on this podcast right down to how much it actually costs to invest in the machinery to make something which appears as simple as swimwear, but is actually very complex to make. So it's a really good interview, I think, and getting across some of the challenges that UK manufacturers currently have. It's not that they're not actually in demand because they very much are, but there are so many other challenges that they face in order to keep production consistent within their factories. And this is something Paul also explains in this interview. And he tells me how he has diversified the product types that he makes so that he's not just making swimwear, which is a very seasonal product, and so that he can keep his machinist busy all year round. So I hope you enjoy this interview. If you want to come and meet Paul, then do pop along to the show and make sure you have registered for your ticket at mib.live forward slash 
podcast VIP because you get a special ticket because you listen to my podcast. In fact, if you write a review in iTunes for me too, and you also come to the event, I will make sure I give you a very, very special welcome when you arrive. So thanks very much for listening to this and enjoy the interview. Hello, Paul. Thank you very much for joining me today. Thank you for having me. Um, Before we go any further, do you want to tell me a little bit about what Halcyon Blue is, what you do and um, how the whole thing started? Yeah, sure. Halcyon Blue, um, when we've been established since 2005, when we started importing swimwear from Brazil, which we sold um, wholesale and retail, But obviously, as a lot of people know who are looking for manufacturing in the UK, there's a lot of challenges, um, not just manufacturing abroad, but also importing abroad. So we decided that we wanted to have it made here in England. Um, So a lot of the challenges that your people are facing now, we faced at the time. And and at that time, there was no no websites or any directories or anything to find factories. So we found it really, really hard to find anywhere interested in making a small amount of garments for us. Eventually, we found a little factory um, down in Hayling Island, um, a mother and daughter uh, making swimwear in very small amounts. Uh, So we started working with them. We were their only client. So I think we effectively saved them from going out of business. But after a number of years, they eventually decided that they couldn't carry on anymore. So we had to make the decision, either we let the business go and try and find another factory, or we actually decided to take over the business. So you were, imp- you were an importer and, and a brand, and then you became a manufacturer. That's quite interesting. I never knew that. Yeah, so we were actually importing two different brands from Brazil manufactured by the same company. So we didn't actually have our own brand at the time. So uh, we decided that we wanted to have our own brand Uh, making the same sort of products but having them made here in England because we could control um, what we do we didn't have the communication problems we didn't have the long transit times the loss of goods in transit um, and all those other problems that you have Um, plus we really wanted to have a sort of continuity range of products which um, is still quite unusual most companies change their designs every season but a lot of designs if they sell well you can sell them year after year. So we really wanted to have a continuity range. And uh, importing from Brazil was really difficult because the fabrics, even though we were all in the same colours, they didn't always match up. So that's one of the big challenges that we had is that we we would get a delivery of tops and they wouldn't match the bottoms. And we effectively had pretty much useless stock. Uh, And it's quite a common problem um, from fabrics from the hot countries where they're very humid. The dye takes very differently every time. Of course, yes, yeah. And also from swimwear, people sometimes they'll buy a top and a bottom and then they'll lose one, won't they, and come back and want the other bit again. Absolutely, and that's what I think a lot of companies seem to sort of forget, that that people do, if they find a product they like, they will often stick with it year after year and they'll just buy lots of different colours, mix and match them. And all our fabrics now come from Italy and we've literally found fabrics from 10 years ago and they still match today with fabric that's been delivered fresh from the factory. Oh, wow. So talking of fabric then, is there anyone in the UK that that makes swimwear fabric or does it all have to be imported from places like Italy? To the best of my knowledge, there are a couple of companies that do make uh, a limited range of swimwear lycra. 
but they don't carry the certification and the testing and the, the huge range of fabrics that come from the, the Italian companies and also some of the companies in the Far East. So yes, there are, but we don't use them and we've no plans on using them. And I don't think that situation is going to change. It really is not for our industry of stretch fabrics. There's very little manufacturing in the UK. Cotton and um, Merrill and fabrics like that, there are a few companies and they're very good quality. But when it comes to Lycra, it's not much at all. Yes, yeah, I remember that because I was a swimwear buyer as part of my career when I was at Debenhams. And I remember specifically when we bought swimwear, the best fabrics came from places like Carvico and that the lycra content was very, very high. And the higher lycra content you have, the better it is for swimwear, isn't it? And for getting it to fit because it stretches more. And Absolutely. Like and Carvico does such a wide range. So it does everything from fashion swimwear to sports swimwear, compression fabrics. Uh, and now they're doing a lot of recycled fabrics as well, which is obviously with all the interest now in recycling and uh, putting less plastic into the environment uh, is becoming a very popular product. Yeah. So you you took over this um, this factory in Hailing Island. Do you want to explain to everyone where Hailing Island is? Uh, and Yeah, sure. Hailing Island is a little island uh, near Portsmouth in Hampshire. Uh, so they, they used to be down in this area. There used to be a, a large um, scale of manufacturing. Uh, companies like Marks and Spencers used to do a lot of manufacturing down here and then it all went offshore probably about 30 years ago so it used to have many years ago there was quite a rich tradition of manufacturing down here but now really? it's down to just a handful see i never knew that my father's from portsmouth and so are a lot of my family and my granddad actually did work in a factory but he wasn't making anything to do with textiles and i i never knew that i never knew that there was a lot of textile manufacturing in there the was, area. and there's still a lot of resentment, actually. Um, some of the older staff who we used to work with um, here had a lot of resentments. They wouldn't shop in Marks and Spencers. They wouldn't shop in Debenhams because they'd been laid off several times by those companies when they moved the work away from here. And uh, it, it did cause quite a lot of damage. So how many people do you employ now at House in Blue? Uh, now we have 15 employees and a lot of them are from Eastern Europe. I was going to say, where do you get your your staff from? Because, like you say, the older people are no longer with you. I'd imagine they're all retired. So it's mostly from people with skills coming from Eastern Europe. It is because uh, it's not that we don't want to hire English people. We've just almost given up trying now. Um, because exactly as you said, the people that used to work in this industry uh, are now either retired or they've retrained and are working in other industries and they don't particularly want to come back to it. Um, we have uh, managed to find uh, some English people, um, but the problem is we're a small company uh, and generally when someone leaves, we need to replace them quickly. Uh, we don't have time to train them. So we have had to turn to Eastern Europe where they still have uh, a lot of manufacturing over there and they have a lot of uh, colleges that teach sewing. Most major cities have colleges that teach sewing. So we've actually taken on people that have been to college to learn to sew, but have never actually worked in a factory because they've come over here uh, and done other jobs, um, working in the in the fields, in the um, greenhouses that there's a lot of down here. And yeah. a lot of the staff, when they've come here and we've offered them a job, I mean, they've literally just burst into tears because this is a job they want to do. Um, 
but they've never had the opportunity oh, to do amazing. it. Amazing. And swimwear, as as I do know, is a lot of people, they look at something like a bikini or a swimsuit and they think, oh, it's just, you know, a couple of little bits of fabric. It must be really easy to make. And I don't think people appreciate quite how difficult it actually is to make swimwear. I remember when I was a swimwear buyer, how many different fits it took to get things to fit. So, with you know, you need specialist skills, don't you, to make what you're making. Do you want to talk a little bit about about that and the sort of machinery involved and the sort of skill that's involved? I mean, we we took the decision a few years ago to stop taking on the more complicated designs. So we don't work uh, with underwires and boning, lots of padding and things like that. And that's not because we don't want to. It's because we just struggle to find staff that have the experience of making it. And we also don't have the machinery to do it. And when we were just a small uh, company, just with a couple of very experienced machinerists, you, we really could just pretty much make anything. But that, that whole thing has changed because it is a very skilled um, manufacturing process. Uh, and also the design is very skilled. And one of the challenges that we face is a lot of uh, young designers don't get taught anything at all about um, designing swimwear. But the, exactly what you said, people look at a swimsuit hanging on a rack and it looks so simple. And it isn't really that simple at all. And it's a massively lacking part of our industry that no one teaches swimwear manufacturing and they don't teach lingerie either, either to any great extent no they used to didn't they de montford i think had a course in lingerie i think they still have a course in lingerie design but I, and contour but i don't know how much pattern cutting and manufacturing they're torn garment construction no they're not at all and we, I mean, we, we have had quite a few instances uh where we have had designers and we haven't physically been able uh to put the garments together and that's us being honest to the person and saying, look, we, you know, we can't actually make this. But sometimes they've been to, to samplers and the sampler doesn't care. They just say, right, okay, I just need to trim this bit here and trim that bit there and it will go together perfectly. They send them a, a finished sample and they give it to the factory and say, well, the sample maker can do it. Yeah, um, they don't understand about in a factory process. And, no, and that's the other thing. It's, um, yeah. you know, when you're making a sample or when you're thinking about what you want to do, uh, putting binding on and things like that. It's very looks very simple, but um, a factory needs to have all the different folders to do all the different finishes. They need to have specialised foots and and um, other parts of the machinery that need to be changed. Often we need to get an engineer in to set up the machines to do the work. So, I mean, it's, it is a hugely complicated industry, and that's why, really, we are... Lingerie is far worse than we are, but we are probably one of the most underrepresented manufacturing sectors now in the UK for You are, fashion. yeah, but because there was a lingerie stroke swimwear factory, wasn't there, in Wales that it, shut down It was, and that was a ago. huge shock to all of us because they were pretty much the biggest CMT factory in the UK. They were very well known. Uh, they had a lot of customers. Whenever we sent work to them that we couldn't do, um, a lot of people came back and said, well, they're just so busy, they can't fit us in. And then all of a sudden they were gone. And, mm. and we literally phoned up to ask them about the machinery, see whether it was any available. That's sold, gone literally within a few days. Yeah. And it, they just vanished. And it was such a huge shock to everyone because that really for lingerie now is, the, is almost like the death knell for CMT lingerie manufacturing in the UK. Yeah, because a bit like, I suppose I interviewed... Um, 
Andy Ogden from English Fine Cottons last week. And um, I suppose setting up a lingerie manufacturing business is, is, okay. it's not quite as expensive as setting up a cotton spinning business. But he was telling me, you know, if they hadn't done it because they were already spinning something else and invested all that money. And I suppose the same goes with lingerie. If someone's going to set up a new factory, they're probably not going to pick lingerie or swimwear now, are they? They're going to pick something easier like T-shirts, casual wear, active wear, rather than anything that's more complicated with all the machinery that you need. I think if they're going to set up a CMT factory, I think they'd have to very think very carefully about how much investment you need to put in and how much return you're going to get. If they think about manufacturing their own brand themselves, that's a different matter because you know they have complete control over their sales. They've got complete control over the amount of money they're making and, and they'll have much more money coming in um, than a CMT factory has. So yeah. I, think, I mean, there is if there's quite a lot of lingerie manufacturing in the UK and swimwear manufacturing, but a lot of companies are man- making their own brand as we do. Uh, and yeah, I, I was going to ask: Are you still doing your own brand after? Yeah, all we're, of this? we're sort of drifting away a little bit from the the Brazilian styles that we've been selling. That's kind of quite a bit common now. Uh, we've lost a lot of ground because we've been concentrating on the CMT side of the business. Um, we're also making lycra toys and lycra. Uh, sensory products under our own brand as well, um, which is something we saw oh, months ago, and it's growing quite rapidly. And it's it's uh, it's it's a side of the business we just sort of stumbled into by a complete accident, making making something for my sister-in-law that she was complaining about how expensive it was, and yeah. we we actually ended up creating our own brand and selling them on our own website. Oh, oh, what's it, that it called? Because, you know, I get asked more than anything else, I think, um, about, you know, can I buy toys that are made in the UK? What's the name of the toy brand? Uh, it's, well, it's called HB Sensory. So the website's hbsensory.com. Um, right, so they're I'll literally just, just um, Lycra products um, designed to help people, uh, young children uh, and young adults with um, sensory perception problems. And um, it's, it's, it's quite a niche product, but it's, it's being very good for us um, because CMT working is a very difficult um, part of our industry. So having that extra um, income from our own product is, is very important. And I think um, a lot of factories um, would be very sensible to investigate, you know, doing their own product as well as CMT work because you've got more control over what you're doing. Yeah, so many factories that I know that I'm going to see these days are all saying the same thing. Factories are starting to set up their own brands that they can spread the risk and and brands are setting up their own factories. So with that in mind then if you if someone said right I'm going to I'm going to set up a swimwear brand and I want to make it myself. So I'm going to set up my own little mini micro factory. What advice would you give them? Well if they're looking at setting up their own swimwear brand I, I think there's a couple of things I think are quite important. And one of the biggest problems we have uh, is people come to us and they've done all the work. So they've got their designs, they've decided what fabrics they want. They've been to a designer, they've had them all made. So when you say to them, I'm really sorry, we can't do this, what do they do? Or if we say we can't do this, but we can do that. They've already spent lots of money um, putting, you know, investing in the brand, what they want to do. I think personally, if someone wants to make swimwear, fine, it, it can be done. It can be done in the UK. But I think you need to go and visit the factories that, 
that make swimwear first. Find out what machinery they can do. Bring samples yeah. of the sort of garments that you want, the finishes that you'd like to do, and see can they do it. What can they do? Can they do this? If they can't do that, can they? What can they do to help me? And then, don't set your sights on working with one factory. You know, if one factory can do something and another factory can do something, you can work with more than one factory. Uh, it's helping two businesses um, as well as getting your brand. You know exactly what you want doing. So, I think the most important thing is is to try and find what the factories can do first before you far- go steaming ahead and getting everything done. But if they're thinking of setting up their own factory, it's still wise, isn't it, to go and visit some factories, see what's out there, see what machinery they use, and then think, actually, am I better off buying my own machinery and making it myself? Well, I've actually said that a few times to when I've had inquiries from people is uh, that we can't do, and I don't know anyone really that does the sort of work that they want. It's like, why don't you just buy a couple of machines and, and see what you can do? A lot of them have been to college. They've learned how to sew. Um you don't need a vast amount of machines to make basic swimwear. It's when they decide to go all crazy um, <laughs> with underwiring and padding and lots of straps and things like that. And that's when it becomes more difficult. Yeah, I was going to say, what are the tricky products then? So it's the underwiring, isn't it? And all the components that go into that as well. Absolutely. Because they're and all imported. Absolutely. And that's the thing. If you buy a machine that does underwiring, it has to you know, will it do work with all the different sizes and all the different shapes and all the different types of um, binding, et cetera, that you, you need to put the wires in? Um, same with padding. Um, you know, some padding we can work with, some padding we can't work with. Um, and it's not because we don't want to. It's just we simply, the machines just won't take it. Um, and we can't have an unlimited amount of machines. We're just a small factory um, we're not like a factory in China that's got hundreds of machines that can do everything. We can only work with what we've got. And if you're coming to us uh, with an order for 50 garments, we can't go out and buy a new machine to do what you want. I mean, if you say, I need 5,000 garments, here's a firm order and here's a 50% deposit, there's a good chance we'll buy the machine that that you need to do it because it's worth our while to do it. But most of the time, we can only work with what we've got. Yeah, no, that that make that makes complete sense. Yeah. So, what machinery um, exactly does someone need if they're setting up a a swimwear factory? Well, I think the hardest machine that you, that you need is an elasticator, which is basically just an overlocker um, that has a couple of feeds that that put the rubber into all the openings. That's probably the only specialised piece of machinery that you need. You can do it yourself. But it is very hard to get the tension right, and to get which means yeah, that the, the openings is. won't be the right size. I know, tell you how I know that is because I made a my daughter's a gymnast, and I made a leer, couple of leotards for her once. And oh my gosh, when I tried to put the elastic in without the proper machine, and I did it by hand, it was a dog's dinner. I mean, she she wore the leotard a few times, bless her. But you know, I I do I would love one of those machines because it's the same machine, isn't it, for making leotards. Yeah, swimwear. basically. I mean, once you've got an, once you've got an elasticator, you can pretty much you know make any type of garment as elastic in, apart from uh, bagged out. That's a bit more specialised. Yeah, and that's a bit of a trend at the moment. I remember yeah, when I was a, a swimwear buyer. Yeah, everyone was sort of influenced by Melissa Oderbash and her bagged out swimwear. Yeah, so Do you want to explain to people why that is and what bagged out is? A bagged out is basically when the you don't have any visible stitching on the outside. So effectively the inside and the outside look pretty much the same. Um, 
which means they can be colour reversible. And that's kind of the in thing at the moment. Everyone yes, it wants is. Yeah. Colour reversible. Thank you very much to um, <laughs> the television for that one. Um, but, oh, yes, because there was the lady on The Apprentice, wasn't right, there, yeah. who won? Yeah. What did you think of that then? Yeah, that was reversible, wasn't it? Print on one side and play yeah, on the other? Um, I didn't actually watch it, if I'm brutally honest. <laughs> I was just, it was only when someone told me what, what the winner was that I made any investigation to see um, what it was that she was Yeah, doing, but I... But, I know the person that made that because um, I recognised her when they showed the winning sample being made. And yeah, you're right. It's made by a sample house in London, mm-hmm. not someone that would do volume business. So I would love to know how she's getting on with that swimwear business. I mean, I think runs. it's the same. I mean, there are. I do know a few factories that will do small runs of, of bagged out garments um, because they're basically making them with the machinery that they've got. And when it becomes any large volume, I think it'll be quite tricky in the uk to get it made uh, bagged out basically um, they're made inside out so everything's done um inside out and then there's somewhere there'll be a tiny little hole maybe a couple of centimeters um and the whole garment is literally pulled through that hole and then that and then garment is, invi- yeah, is invisibly closed so you can pretty much can't see it unless you're actually looking for it and we've literally you know we've made in the past we have made very very simple ones but we've literally we've had designers come down with their client uh, because we've said you can't make this and the designer said yes you can and literally <laughs> they have spent the whole day here and they've left without a single garment because they just have not been able to work out how do you make it because you've got to make every single process has got to be done inside out and then it's pulled through yeah and you're working with really slippery fabrics here aren't you that's the thing it's, it's got to be in order to be double double the layer and to, to wear it and not have loads of wrinkles underneath it you've got to have just the right sort of fabric and you've got to um it you you know you're it's slipping all around the machine isn't it and then it, the chances of getting it to fit both inside and outside without the c- different colors rolling out exactly is, yeah the rolling is a big problem because really and truly a proper a bagged out swim swimsuit that's not reversible like the inside fabric is going to be slightly smaller in the yeah. outside fabric so you've got that overlap and it's not going to roll over so much but when it's color reversible it has to be the joint's got to be at the top so it's pretty much invisible and it's very difficult to so make. anyone listening to this that's got plans to launch a swimwear range steer clear of reversible unless you want well, just to give keep, yourself just a real keep headache it, it is possible but just don't go you know if you're if you're thinking i want lots of straps and and lots of cutout panels and things like that. Forget it. It's just, yeah. you know, it's just not going to. It's just not going to happen. What I think is really interesting. What you're saying, Paul, is something that I advise to so many people. They get in touch with me, and they've got big plans for launching ranges made in the UK. And I'll just quite honestly say to some people, I would. You can't make that in the UK. Well, you could, but it's not advisable because you're not playing to the strengths of the manufacturers that you've got here. And I think that's kind of key lesson for anyone that wants to make in the UK is find out what that manufacturer can do, what their strengths are, and then design your range into that. Otherwise, you're just trying to fit a square peg into a round hole, aren't you? Well, yeah, exactly. And to be honest, you're, you're just wasting your money um, if you go, if you go full steam ahead without making any inquiries at all as to what the factories are capable of doing. You're literally just throwing your money away. And um, if you come and talk to us, we don't want to be negative. We don't want to say no to you. We want to say, yes, we can make your stuff. But when you've done everything and we can't make it for you, you know, you feel bad and we feel bad as well because we just want to make 
your swimwear here in so the you're UK. Saying, so you're saying reach out, someone should reach out to a manufacturer pretty early on in the process before they've got everything already. Yeah, I think so. And most factories, we will happily, you know, you can come down to us. That's a great thing about making in the UK. You can come and visit us. You can bring down samples. You can pop in the shops, find stuff you like buy it, bring it down, show it to us and say, this is what we want to do. And we can say, yeah, okay, fine. We can't really do that, but we can do this for you. And it'll look almost exactly the same. So they can go away to their designer and say, right, the factory can do this, but they can do it this way or they can do it that way. So can you make the designs for me that way? And then they haven't wasted their time and their money. And, you know, we're more than happy to to see people. And I think most factories would happily um, talk to people first. So they yeah, can get keep, an idea of what we can do. Yeah, I keep saying that all the time to people. You know, factories are happy to open their doors and to show you round, and they're proud of what they do, um, as long as you're not, you know, a time waster and just tyre kicking. Um, but if you're actually genuinely interested in working with that manufacturer, go, go and visit them. Go and have a chat with them face-to-face. Have a cup of tea with them. Well, we get bombarded with emails. Uh, I probably get three or four every day. All it basically mm. says is, we want to make swimwear. Can you send us a quote, please? And that's I it. I know, yeah. And it's like, a quote for what? <laughs> yeah, exactly. Do you link, do you, should we take this seriously? Probably not. I don't think Yeah. that's not a serious inquiry because it's, you know, they haven't made any effort whatsoever to do anything. So you've got to do your, you've got to know what you want to do before you come and visit the factory. You can't just walk in and say, I want to make swimwear. Um, but you, so you've got to have an idea, but I just don't think that people should go and get their designs made and start sourcing fabrics and components and trimmings before they know what we can do. Um, and like I say, if just because we can't do it, doesn't mean another factory can't do it. And we're such a small industry now. We don't fight each other with customers. We share business. We pass each other's details around to customers. If we, you know, fully booked and we haven't got any capacity, we'll happily send details of other factories to people. We're too small. We need to help each other. It's the only way we're going to survive. Yeah, that's that's brilliant, Paul. That's a really good note to end on because I think that is uh, that just shows the true spirit of UK manufacturers as well. So um, all helping each other out, which is what, what it's all about, isn't it? It is, really. Um, and I think it is a challenge making somewhere in the UK. Uh, and I think a lot of people also forget they've got a very limited time amount of time to sell a product they've really only got the summer months to sell a product make enough money to pay their wages and to invest into their designs for their next season and and it's a very difficult thing to do yeah that is one thing that i really noticed when i was a swimwear buyer is you have only got a really short selling season and actually you're better off with it being really sunny like it is now you know at the end of the end of winter and an early spring because people start thinking, oh, I need a new swimsuit. And if you have, if the weather's miserable up until, you know, end of May or something, then you're, you're, you've, you've missed the big selling season and people think, oh, well, the summer's quite short. I'll just stick with last year's bikini. Yeah, and, and that, that means you're going to sell less, but at the same time, and you're going to be sitting on stock that you haven't sold. It is a very difficult yeah. industry, but it's also very difficult for us because it means in the winter, uh, we're very busy, and in the summer we're not very busy at all. Um, except course, we're top-up orders, yes. and that's why a lot of swimwear factories are still going out of business um, because they don't have that continuity of production all year round. So, what do you do in the summer then, when um, everyone's selling their swimwear and no one wants to do any top-up? So, in sort of July, August time, 
How do you fill your factory? Well, I don't know whether I should say this really when we're talking about a podcast <laughs> about making swimwear. Well, we, we decided to start making dancewear. Um, oh, I see. Yeah. So uh, yeah, we make. I mean, we make a lot of dancewear now. Um, dancewear is no different manufacturing wise than it than making swimwear. It's exactly the same. It's using the same products, the, yeah. same, the same machinery, but it's not nearly as seasonal. Of course, like leotards as well. I mean, yeah. my daughter. At sixty pound a pop. I mean, how many leotards has she got in her in her drawer as a gymnast? And they're all made in the UK. Yeah, so, yeah. I mean, we like I say we we make a lot of dancewear. We make a lot of leotards and leggings and crop tops and all that sort of stuff. We're making about up to three thousand units every week. And Brilliant. I'd much rather make that than swimwear because for us it means we have business all year round. Yeah. Um, yeah. And that is and. It's exactly I mean, we've had winters where we've been so busy, we've been turning customers away and not one of those customers has come back the following year. So we literally had to close the doors and all the staff had to go home on no pay because we oh didn't gosh. have any work. But what can you do? Because if you think you think if someone comes to you uh, wanting swimwear made um, one year, you would hope they're going to come back the next year and you try and keep a, a slot available for them because it, 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 when you're a small factory, you want to be able, your customer wants to work with you year after year. Well, that's what yeah. that's what you hope. Um, but obviously, what do we do? Because if that customer goes out of business, or the summers rains and they don't sell anything, and they don't come to, back to us, we we've got nothing to fill that slot. Yeah. So it makes it, and actually, the fact that you've diversified into also making your own toys to sell direct to. The end yeah, user I mean, we still is a do brilliant idea. Swimwear as well, um, and we're we're looking at. Although we're not um, carrying on with the Brazilian stars, we're looking at diversifying into into different areas of swimwear um, and lycra casual wear. We like working with lycra; it's what we do, it's what we know. Um, so we're going to carry on doing that. But I don't think we'd be here if we, a if we didn't have our own brand, and b if we hadn't have diversified a little bit. And that's yeah. why that's why there's only a handful of us left. Yeah, interesting. So where can people find you then if they want to find your Halcyon Blue brand? What's the website address? Uh, well, it's halcyonblue.com is the swimwear brand. It's a little bit specialised, so it's probably not to a lot of people's taste at the moment, but we are actually changing that and we'll be exhibiting at your show. You are, Bay, yeah, exactly. Um, where we're yep. going to be starting... At the moment, we just sell all our own products by retail, but we want to start um, wholesaling our own products as we change them and make them more, um, more appealing to, to a wider audience. Mm. So that's what we'll be coming up to. So hopefully, Brilliant. And do you ever go back to Brazil? Uh, no, I haven't been back to Brazil, no. <laughs> uh, and you'd never have imagined all this would have happened when you had this idea in 2006? No, not at all. Um, and I, I do think, um, I don't regret at all um, taking on the factory. It's definitely been challenging and we've definitely had lots of ups and downs. But I think um, if, if we get it right and if we can sort of change uh, designers' perceptions of, of how to do business with us, I think there is a good um, business for making swimwear in the UK. Um, but we've just got to try and work together um, rather than having to constantly say no we can't do this no we can't do this and like i said it's not because we don't want to say no we want to say yes every time but people need to understand that if you're making swimwear in the uk you've got to be flexible 
you've got yeah. to be able to uh, work with the factory and not come in with your mind fixed. This is what I want to make. If I can't make it here, I'll find somewhere else because you won't find, yeah. probably won't find anywhere else. They won't find anyone else with the experience that you've got. Um, it's not just specialism. Yeah, and it's, 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 it's specialism in staff, which is, is gradually declining uh, in our industry. And it's also the specialist machinery. Uh, it's very, very expensive. A lot of this, we're talking tens of thousands of pounds for some of the specialised Really? Crikey. Uh, Gosh. I mean, we get a lot of inquiries and, yeah, we just can't, we just don't have the resources to, to invest in the machinery. God, I didn't realise. That is a, that is a lot of money, isn't it? So Because whereas your standard industrial overlocker would just... Well, that's like six or seven hundred yeah. pounds, no yeah. problem at all, but... Some of like a, like some of the more specialised machinery. I mean, a lot of it um, machines are available secondhand. Um, we can pick them up whenever. It's like buying a car. You know, you can get a really good machine, but it's, that depreciation's been there. You can get it for you know two thirds of the retail price. But the more specialised machinery, they left the, the UK when all the other uh, manufacturers left the UK, and they're not going to come back. Yeah, so the machinery is all imported, isn't it? Yeah, of course. Yeah, and the machinery left. Uh, the factories, you know, upstate, packed up all their machines into containers and they left the country as well. So um, all all that's recycling around in the second-hand market is the machinery that's being used in the UK now. Yeah, so you're right. When AJM closed in Wales, you said all the machinery is gone. Did that all get exported? I've no exported? idea. We, we, we phoned up the um, receivers and they said, no, it's all gone. Uh, God. I've no idea what happened to it. Yeah. But they would have okay. had some good machines that a lot of, you know, factories like us really could have used. And, uh, and it would have been nice. I don't know what happened to it. Maybe it did go to a good home, but um, I have no idea. <laughs> so if anyone listening to this podcast has got the machines, please stand up and let <laughs> yeah, us know. <laughs> absolutely, yeah. Brilliant. Oh, Paul, you're an absolute star. Thank you very much for uh, joining me today for this little chat. It's been really enlightening. There's quite a lot of things about swimwear that I didn't know there. Good. I'm glad. Thank you for listening to the Make It British podcast. I make an episode every Tuesday and Friday, plus there's also bonus episodes occasionally. So don't forget to subscribe in your favourite podcast app so that you get notified every time a new episode goes live. And if you enjoyed the show, I would really love it if you left me just a little review on iTunes. The more reviews this podcast receives, the more people will discover it and the more we can spread the word about making in the UK. Thanks once again for listening to the Make It British podcast. Bye bye.